Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded, the podcast that looks at how the psychological aspects of endurance sports impacts the physiological. As always, I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And today we're going to be talking about uh, proactive versus reactive. And I'll explain what I mean by that as we get into the to the show. But uh, it's building off of uh, our last podcast episode where we talked about athletic identity, um, how to define that identity. Um, I talked about our athletic value proposition, and uh, we got some great feedback from that episode, um, and uh, I think it was a really productive, or I hope that it was a really productive uh, conversation uh, or, or analysis to uh, to listen to, especially during these current times uh, as we deal with uh, uh, the impact uh, and fallout of, uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. But truthfully, uh, I think it's a valuable uh, discussion to have and a valuable exercise for athletes to go through um, regardless of, of the time period and regardless of, of what's going on uh, as things uh, get back to, uh, to, to normal and as we uh, transition, as we inevitably will, uh, out, out of this pandemic uh, and move forward, I think that uh, that what we talked about uh, and what was discussed in the last podcast was uh, will, will be uh, valuable to to revisit uh, down the road. But building on that, uh, I want to talk about um, a concept um, and terminology that I that I use a lot, and I've talked about this uh, on endurance minded before. Uh, I've also talked about it uh, with anyone who's had a conversation with me, whether it's athletes, other coaches. Uh, the TEC team. Um, I talk about this concept uh, of of being proactive versus being reactive. <clears throat> and proactive, or, or what I I typically use that terminology in relation to um, a typical race season. So in seasons past, before uh, everything that's transpired. Um, happened we we used to at the you know beginning of a season we would think about what races um we wanted to do um in the northern hemisphere typically in january a lot of race organizers for for bigger events would release those races um registration would be available online we would um work with athletes to figure out what that race calendar looked like, or athletes would sign up for races that interested them, and then they would um, maybe reach out to their coach um, or start a relationship with a coach and hand them that race calendar. Um, And that really sets forth or or traditionally set forth the the cadence of, of a season. So, you know, here we are in January, um, or we would be in January and uh, or, or early in the season, um, and then we would have a, a roadmap. And that roadmap was, was we made those decisions, but the dates and the time periods and, and when those races occur in proximity to one another were outside of our control. They were set by race directors and, and the terrain and, and where the race was at and all kinds of different factors that we didn't have uh, any control over. So then we would get to work and we'd say, okay, well, you know, if your first race is 16 weeks from now, that's going to 
Uh, we're going to take certain steps to ensure preparation. Uh, that's going to dictate our, our progression, periodization, um, the levels of fitness that we can reach. Um, <clears throat> uh, it, whatever the, the variables are that we control in training, that was um, – we didn't – have control over that. That was laid out for us. And then we would finish an event and more than likely there was another event that followed close behind that. So then we would have to rush to recover, make sure that uh, we were, did what we could to capitalize on the fitness, the skills, the um, takeaways from that last race. And when we do everything we can to apply those, uh, those things that we learned to the next race while managing fitness, fatigue, um, recovery, um, training schedule, life schedule, and, and everything in between. So that is, uh, that scenario that I just outlined puts us in what I've called um, a reactive state. <clears throat> so as soon as we're handed that, that race calendar, uh, typically in, in years past, we would begin to, or we were forced to be to some degree, um, depending on the time of year and proximity to that race, we were we were we were forced to be uh, reactive. So we're we're responding to uh, the information that was given to us. Uh, we build a training schedule around that, and again, we work to do everything we can to to uh, control all the different pieces and parts that happen throughout the year. So that's that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But again. We're, we're, we're not <clears throat> able in a lot of cases with that traditional approach to be as proactive as we would like. We're not able to work on uh, individualized uh, training. We're not able to work on um, mental and emotional skills. We're not able to work on um, you know, actual skills, whether it's uh, if you're on a bike, you know, um, bike handling, uh, cornering, uh, pace line skills. If you're running, you know, running downhill, whatever that is, we we were. There's a lot of stuff that has to fall by the wayside because we we don't have the ability to be as proactive as we would like. And so, my my kind of argument or case for um, the time periods between a traditional race season are the time periods, or or my argument has been that that's the time period when we can be proactive. <clears throat> and that's a really valuable time for athletes, for coaches, for, for anyone moving towards a goal uh, and the team associated with, with athletes moving towards that goal. It's a really valuable time because it allows us to step back, to refine, um, to work on individualized components of, uh, of training and preparation that ultimately um, lead to a much more productive season when we when we're forced to to fall back into <clears throat> that uh, reactive time period. So what does that mean for now, right? So if we don't have a traditional race season, um, what does it mean to be proactive versus reactive? And that's why I wanted to to kind of bring this back up because I think that there's a lot of validity in discussing the, these terminologies and, and this approach, even if we're not looking at um, a traditional race season. Um, and, it, and again, it builds on a lot of what I talked about in the last uh, podcast, which was um, 
our athletic identity and, and who are we as athletes if we're not racers. So in, in this current season, as races continue to get canceled and we continue to look for motivation um, intrinsically that helps us stay centered, um, who, who are we and, and how do we maintain a proactive approach to our athletic identity if if races are, are going to be off the uh, off the table and so um, I wanted to I want to bring this back up and I'm going to go through some scenarios of what it looks like to behave uh, reactively versus proactively given our current circumstances um, and <clears throat> and hopefully. This will help again build on this the concept of athletic identity, build on the concept of uh, of athletic value proposition, but also hopefully help to position what we're going through right now, kind of contextually, and how we can use this as a time period to to be productive uh, and be proactive. Um, so let's start. What is what is reactive? behavior look like? So given um, the current challenges that so many athletes are facing, again, race season, um, even if things come back on later in the fall uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the, the season is is not going to look like it has traditionally looked. Um, race frequency isn't going to be as high. The race execution is going to be different. Uh, because of you know any number of things from social distancing to um, to uh, aid stations and and uh, and so on. So, <clears throat> what does reactive behavior look like given given all of this uh, that's going on? So, one example uh, would be that that we scramble to find to to fill the space between um, training blocks or or. Uh, or, or we scramble to look for races and events because we're we're forcing uh, we're, we're kind of forcing our hand, right? We're we're trying really hard, and I, I've seen this happen with a with a lot of athletes, and it's only natural because again, we've we've always operated under this this system where we we you know we decide on races, we sign up for those races. We, we go forward looking to execute and prepare for those races, and we, we rinse and repeat. We do it, you know, the next season and, and many seasons afterwards. So it's, it's understandable and it's fair that we would try to, to find a way to get back to how we feel comfortable operating and, and how we feel comfortable positioning our training um, in relation to goals. So a lot of athletes... We see them uh, kind of scrambling, um, frantically looking for events that might be happening maybe in smaller markets, maybe in different disciplines that provide uh, the opportunity for more space um, that don't need or aren't having some of the permitting restrictions that we're seeing with some bigger races. Any number of things, there's, 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 there can be or there, there seems to be a sense for this kind of frantic search for events. And that might not be the most productive thing to do. Now, if it's an event that that it's really exciting and, and is a, an engaging goal, then absolutely. 
but is it is it safe? Um, is it something that you feel comfortable with? Um, is it you know is it forced in terms of is it is it causing you to 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 rush into a level of fitness that you you might not be ready for? Be it you know intensity or volume, um, just because you you're seeking some level of normalcy in terms of having a uh, an event on the calendar. So that that's an example of again if if we're doing it for the wrong reasons um i, I want to be careful here to not you know use um paint with a broad brush there are certainly um you know m- this doesn't have to apply to to everyone but um if we're scrambling to find races and events and they just don't make sense and it feels rushed it feels contrived that would be an example of reactive behavior. Another one would be not thinking long-term about your success as an athlete. So kind of building on uh, this idea of kind of scrambling to, to, to fill in the gaps um, and, and, and push for some um, type of normalcy or some type of race schedule or event schedule that you're, that we've been traditionally used to. Um, maybe that causes us to put ourselves in a place where uh, it's it's short term gains over long term success. So maybe that time would be better spent doing something else. So instead of scrambling to make it to a race, um, instead of uh, altering your training to to try to replicate seasons past, um, despite events not being on the calendar, maybe that's not thinking long term, and it might be worth during this time period to to shift that mindset a little bit. Uh, again, going back to athletic identity. So, how, who are we if we're for not going at things the the same way that we typically have? Um, another example would be something kind of um, to the point would be turning uh, turning to to volume uh, in terms of your your uh, how much uh, your exercising, how much work you're doing on the bike, on the run, swim, whatever it is, um, there, there has been, uh, that seems to be kind of a, a, a classic, uh, outlet that a lot of athletes are taking. If they can't do a race, they just do a bunch of whatever discipline they're, they're focused on. And again, Maybe that's not the best. If we, if we think long term, if we think how we set ourselves up for success next season, uh, for potentially late season goals, um, maybe that's not the highest and best use of of time. And 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 it might also not be the most productive way to try to find balance in in your training approach. So again, another example of just kind of tr- scrambling to look for some answer versus allowing yourself a moment to to find some space, find some clarity, and think about what's what's best for the long term. Um, a, a, a great example, and, and this is <clears throat> um, certainly happening uh, a, a lot, and uh, is that you um, maybe you're you're kind of shutting down uh, because you feel like there's no point in pursuing an athletic identity. There's no point in uh, thinking through some of these harder questions, thinking about your um, yourself as an athlete in a more nuanced way, because without races, what's the point of kind of quote unquote training? Um, 
certainly that's a very reactive approach. There's there's lots that we can do without races on the calendar, and arguably more that we can do, uh, certainly from an individualized approach. So uh, that's that's a classic example, and we're seeing that sometimes with athletes who are struggling with that athletic identity and, and struggling with how to position themselves within this 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 space um, without a, a very clear directive and a very clear path forward, which is fair. Um, again, it's not that that's not a natural thing uh, to feel thrown off, but shutting down and and giving up that uh, athletic identity is probably not the answer. It can just be morphed to be more productive. Um, another one is maybe not taking the time to think critically about how to use this time effectively. And that kind of encapsulates all the points that I mentioned before this, which is when we're presented with challenges, it can be really easy to, to just shut down, to maybe make rash decisions, to chase things that aren't uh, as effective uh, for for you as an individual, or, or again, won't lead to long term success. The reason we do that is because it's it, it's hard. It's hard to to kind of deal with these things and to think about things in ways that we haven't been forced to think about them before. Again, our path forward has always been relatively clear cut. Now, you know, the execution of the training, consistency, your mindset, all of these things are still are still on the table during a, 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 a quote-unquote normal uh, race season. But again, we, we had our roadmap in front of us. And so, um, you know, that was that took a lot of uh, – um, it didn't require a lot of thought. And so, you know, for not – so now we, we're being forced to take a step back, think about what can we do to be successful – what does that success look like? How do we define that success when it doesn't take the form or shape of a of a um, of an external motivator? Uh, we, we're having to look inward uh, because it's it's not winning a race. It's not um, a PR on a particular race course. It's um, it's 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 not these these externally motivated outcome based goals that we've so traditionally and typically looked to for validation. So it's hard to face that and it's it's hard to kind of sit with those thoughts um, as athletes. But if we're not open to taking this time to think about how we can be more effective as athletes, again, long-term, play that long game, that's a reactive behavior potentially. So, so that's uh, that's the reactive side. Specifically, that's the reactive side in context uh, to what we're dealing with now. Um, so again, I wanted to kind of shift that thinking away from talking about proactive versus reactive during and what that means during a, a traditional uh, race season and think about how we can apply that terminology to to where we're at now. So, so those are examples of, of reactive. So, 
So if that's reactive, what does proactive behavior look like during this time period? Um, and I'll, I'll give you some examples just like I did for reactive. Um, first and foremost, and I just hit on this in the opposite direction with the, with the reactive behavior, but an example of proactive behavior would be setting intrinsically motivated goals that allow you to maintain focus, clarity, direction, drive, um, and and what those are is <clears throat> it are are process based goals typically right and we've talked about this on the podcast as well where we have process performance and outcome based goals uh, outcome based goals are goals that we don't have any control over those are races um, you know winning a race um, whatever it is um, process based goals are all the pieces that that go into leading up to the outcome-based goal. And those are the things that we we, we should always look to first. Um, and I think there's a real opportunity as athletes to, to shift how we think about goal setting. But certainly during this time period, it could be, or I see this time period as the, the potential to be an accelerator to change how we think about um goal setting. And one of those is putting uh, intrinsically based goals um, at the forefront. So now's a great time to do that. Uh, What are our motivators? What's our athletic identity? What's our value proposition if uh, if the answer can't be racing? Um, And that's a really, really powerful question to have an answer to as an athlete and something that's going to take you along much further than the high of, of a particular, you know, of one race day or, or a few race days. Um, so proactive behavior setting, taking the time to set intrinsic, uh, intrinsic motivators, uh, or intrinsically motivated goals. Another one would be, um, taking time for self-care. Um, so we're seeing a lot of athletes now really realizing how much they had to just because you have to put in a certain amount of time to prepare for uh, big race goals, seeing a lot of athletes realize just how much they had to sacrifice on some of the self-care components in order to just make the time for the training. Um, so an ex- examples of that would be uh, going to see uh, a, a, a physical therapist, um, you know, to look at mobility issues, to look at uh, muscular skeletal imbalances, flexibility issues. Um, as athletes, we there's there's usually something that we can do to to make ourselves better in that regard. Um, another example could be um, you know normal stuff or things that we're all familiar with, like stretching foam rolling or self myofascial release, um, trigger point, um, you know, um, movements using targeted, um, pressure points to relieve, um, problem areas. Um, other things, meditation, um, taking time for maybe continuing education. Maybe you, uh, want to be more informed about, um, aspects of training so you can have more thoughtful conversations with your coach or your team. Um, all of these types of things typically have to take a back seat 
And now is the perfect time to find space for that. And more importantly, value the execution of those things at the same level that we've, and with the same weight that we give to, to our workouts, our our primary discipline workouts. Um, and that's, that's the biggest shift is, is that weight and, and understanding that, that all of those pieces and parts build to make a complete athlete. And, and, and again, it's just hard to fit all those pieces in, uh, when we're being reactive during a traditional race season, it's hard to find the time. Um, and so we, you know, we have to make decisions. Um, but now's a great time to, to be proactive about making ourselves more holistic athletes, fully rounded, aware, comfortable in our bodies, uh, comfortable in our minds. Um, so taking time for self-care. Another example um, is potentially to use your fitness, the, the you know, what we would kind of classically refer to as your base fitness. Um, use that to do something else outside of your discipline. So I've talked to a lot of athletes and heard from a lot of athletes saying, you know, usually I would uh, obviously use my time on the bike and the fitness that's derived from that to do a bike race. Or obviously I would do take all these running miles that I did early in the season and I would use them to do uh, a running race. But instead of that, um, I'm going to take that fitness, that comfort in my body. Um, I'm going to take my mobility that I've been working on, you know, whatever it is. And I'm going to go for a, uh, a hiking trip with my family. I'm going to do a back, uh, backpacking trip. Uh, I'm going to do, um, a bike tour with my family. Um, you know, any number of things, there's opportunities to be creative, um, I heard from an athlete that was going to go with his family to um, on a surf trip, right? Typically, we wouldn't take 10 days to do a surf trip during the middle of race season. We would need to use that time to be as productive as we could on the bike. Um, and, and now we have some flexibility. And that allows us to find a lot of balance there and, and realize that that fitness is about more, can be about more than just, um, just doing the discipline that we have set out to train for. So that's a really great way to think about being, uh, proactive, uh, is to carve out time to do some things that you typically haven't had time to do. Um, another one would be to, uh, work with your coach, um, to outline, how you define success outside of events. Um, so again, this, this gets back to a little bit of that athletic identity question. Um, and, and what does that identity look like if there's not races on the calendar? So again, thinking proactively about how you define success outside of a podium, outside of a PR. So again, outside of an outcome-based goal. Um, And that is an extremely productive use of time and a great way to be proactive. Because again, we've, we've 
in a sense, we really, we've never thought about those things before. We've never been forced to think about what it looks like when we have to take a non-traditional approach to being an athlete, because we've always, um, we've always had races. Uh, We've always had outcome-based goals. And now there's a real opportunity to ask the question, how do I define success? End of question. Um, And think about what that answer is. And, And we've been having those conversations with athletes and they have been massively productive um, and really leading to some breakthroughs in terms of getting at the core of that athletic identity and and the core of those intrinsic motivators. So uh, take that time um, to define what success looks like and what that what that identity looks like now that we we know that things are going to um, not be traditional. Another example would be to outline a plan that's individualized and progressive. So so a plan meaning uh, a training plan um, built around your individualized limiters and finding balance, not, not trying to find a race schedule. So this hits on a few of the things that I've, that I've touched on uh, leading up to this, but you know that would be again not chasing kind of random races in hopes to to put together some semblance of a of a race calendar late in the season, even though it it doesn't make sense. Again, maybe that time is better spent finding balance. Um, maybe that time uh, is better spent really working on areas where you um, you haven't had the chance to work on before. So you know, classically these limiters. And that can be a lot of things. That can be physiological limiters, things like, you know, uh, functional threshold power, uh, FTP, VO2 max, neuromuscular power, functional reserve capacity. It can be some of these classic metrics-based limiters, um, or it could be um, your your uh, mental uh, resiliency. Uh, it could be your uh, you, how much rest you get. What's your recovery like? You know, so there's a lot of limiters. And again, thinking more kind of well-rounded, if we pull the race out of the equation, there's a real opportunity to think about all of the pieces and parts that go into being an athlete. And, and that's going to open doors for, um, for looking at what, what is it, what's a truly balanced approach to training look like? And it probably includes... A lot of pieces and, and, and aspects that we haven't typically been able to focus on or just haven't focused on in the past. Um, so that's, you know, when we talk about limiters, it's worth thinking about where, where those could possibly be uh, outside, of, <clears throat> outside of training or outside of a you know, workout execution. Um, so that's, those are examples of of proactive behaviors during the current time period that can lead to much more um, a much more robust outlook and attitude um, given our current circumstances, um, and, and ultimately lead to 
much more confidence uh, or, or a greater degree of confidence in our in our athletic identity, um, confidence in in why we do the things we do as athletes, why we commit the time, the energy, the focus. Um, when the answer is not to win a race, that's going to carry us much further down the road than these uh, extrinsic outcome-based um, uh, goals or, or motivators. And so these proactive um, approaches, and again, these are just some examples. The list goes on and on and on. But again, really looking at some of these more um, you know, nuanced aspects of being an athlete and giving those the weight and time they deserve to, to then take that and mold it with or uh, blend it with the physical aspect. Certainly there's, there's always that as an athlete. You know, we, we, we execute workouts, we push ourselves hard, we look for adaptation physically, um, but how does that blend with these other things? And, and then how does that create the whole picture of, uh, of your athletic identity and what you're, what you're doing to be proactive and productive during this time period? So I really think... Um, you know, I, I see this time period as, as a blank slate in a good way. You know, a lot of times we that might kind of, you know, bring up, uh, uh, you know, thoughts of, you know, some sort of dark void or, or you know, chasm that, that you know, has no end and, and there's no plan of attack. We're kind of in, you know, purgatory, just no real purpose in our in our training, no real purpose in our plan. And, and when I think about it as a blank slate. Um, I, it's a really positive thing for me. Um, and again, we're seeing this time and time again with the athletes that we're working with is that when we begin to ask the right questions and think about things the right way, there's a lot of doors that are being opened up and a lot of progress being made. That's going to lead to long-term sustainable growth and success. Um, Again, we're typically handed the race calendar and then go immediately into that reactive mode. So we go from a blank slate at the beginning of the season to a very full calendar in the matter of, you know, a few weeks or, or maybe, you know, a couple of months at the beginning of the year. Um, so we, we never have that blank slate opportunity to think about what that can actually look like. Um, now we have that blank slate that we can build towards really the the perfect approach you know is the way i see it it's it's what what exactly can things look like for each individual to to create the best possible outcome um and you know that's not that's not traditionally been the case you know maybe that race doesn't fall on the the day that makes the most sense. Maybe it's during a busy time at work. Maybe it's uh, immediately after a family vacation or right before a family vacation. Maybe the travel is stressful. Any number of things m- make that make that event not ideal potentially for a particular individual. Well, now we have the ability to say, okay, great, that's out of the way. What does what does the perfect balance and the perfect approach look like? 
for each individual person. What do we want to work on? Um, what do we want to set our sights on? What are our goals? How do we define success? And we can back ourselves into a training approach that really satisfies the needs of each individual and we're not rushing to recover and refocus and manage the stress and the noise that comes with um, a hectic race calendar or a race season. Um, we, if we, if we frame it the right way, we have the ability to create um, the the perfect individualized approach. And I think that that if you, if we think about things that way, that there's a lot of opportunity there. And again, not to say that that events aren't great motivators or important aspects of, uh, of our athletic identity, but it's not the only aspect. Um, and I think that's where we've, we've gotten derailed potentially in the past as athletes is letting that take too big a piece of the pie, um, and not thinking about what that approach can look like, um, outside of these events. So, um, so just to sum up, um, proactive, versus reactive and really thinking about what that means or how that applies outside of these these short moments you know typically i've talked about the proactive periods are uh are our shoulder seasons it's when the race calendar is over and it's before we pick our races for the next season so um you know in the northern hemisphere that proactive time period might be uh might be october to december and, um, and then maybe, you know, a portion of the spring. Um, but, uh, now we have the ability to have a proactive approach for a much longer period of time. And and we can, that can become the, uh, the norm versus that, that reactivity. So I challenge you to, to think about what types of behaviors you're exhibiting during this time period. Are you exhibiting some of those reactive behaviors? Are you are you forcing uh, some of these things because that's what feels um, you're trying to get back to some type of normalcy? Um, how are you exhibiting some of these proactive behaviors? And are there ones that you can add or, or ways that you can can boost up some of those behaviors to um, to to uh, help you make more long decisions based on more long-term success and growth. Um, and then how can you use those, uh, behaviors to inform your athletic identity? Um, and, uh, so if you haven't listened to, uh, to our other, um, podcast, it's the last episode that we did. Um, it came out in, uh, the early part of June. Um, it's, it's a mini sode. Um, and it's, uh, it's defining your athletic identity. So, um, if you haven't listened to that or had a chance to listen to it yet, um, check it out. Um, I wanted to, to use that to, to build, um, uh, or use this episode to build on that. Cause I think there's a lot of pieces here that, um, uh, that need to be kind of put together. Um, and so my hope is that by defining some of these terms and, and, and working through some of these processes. It'll help uh, athletes better navigate a time period that can feel a little um, a little desperate uh, and feel a little uh, or feel a lot, you know, out of sorts. Um, but I encourage you to think 
uh, critically about how you define success if you're exhibiting some of these behaviors that I defined. <clears throat> and, uh, and then if so, uh, what can you do um, to set yourself up for long-term success? Um, again, uh, thanks so much for listening, as always. I hope, uh, I hope anyone listening is able to get um, some takeaways from this, able to use what we talk about to help themselves be better, more confident uh, athletes. Uh, that's always been my goal with the podcast. Um, as always, thomasenduranceCoaching.com. Um, for anything that we talk about on Endurance Minded, uh, we're doing free um, coach um, uh, intro calls. So if you have questions about anything, um, you can go to the website, uh, click the button on the top right corner for a free 30-minute uh, intro call with a coach. We'll match you with uh, a qualified coach that has expertise in the area that you're uh, looking to get answers for. And, um, and uh, that's a service that we want to provide because we're here to help. We want to be a resource um, first and foremost. Um, so take advantage of that. We would love to hear from you. Um, and thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Endurance Minded.